Amen. Welcome. Wednesday night. Welcome people watching online. All right, let me, you know, always got to look around. Wait for Pastor Todd to, you know, get off the stage. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right, let's just open up with a word of prayer real quick. Father God, I thank you for this word tonight. Father God, I pray that we would just... Uh, receive what you have for us, Lord. We just welcome you into this place. We welcome you into our lives. We welcome you into our hearts, God. Come and minister to us, God. Till up the soil within us, Father God, that um, we would receive the seed you have for us tonight, Father. And we just give you praises and glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So Eleanor Roosevelt said, learn from the mistakes of others. You can't live long enough to make them all yourself. <laughs> Right. And we, we, we can learn from the mistakes of others or we can learn from making our own mistakes. Right. Regardless, what's important is not where we learn, but whether we learn at all. It's not, it's not important where we learn, but whether or not we are going to learn from others mistakes or our own mistakes. Right. Um, I'm an only child, so I don't have this, but if you ask younger siblings, you know, you can ask my husband, he watched his older brother and learned what not to do. Right. So some people can look at that and it's like, yeah, I'm not going down that road. I'm not going down that path. I know what not to do. So tonight we're going to be in a portion of scripture in Hebrews chapter three, um, starting in verse seven, I'm going to read to the end verse 19. And then it says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, tried me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation. And I said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who having heard rebelled, indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that the, that they could not enter in because of unbelief. What we have here is the Exodus account of the Israels that were brought up out of Egypt. And the writer of Hebrews is, is recounting this to the Hebrews. If you don't know, the Hebrews um, were Jewish believers that were kind of scattered. And it was time of persecution. I'm going I'm to talk about that in a minute. But they were being persecuted. And so the writer of Hebrews is telling them, listen, there's persecution. I get it. 
But remember what happened to this generation. It's a warning. And the, the verse starts out with, the Holy Spirit says... So uh, along with other New Testament writers, the writer of Hebrews here is saying, this is not the mere words of a man. And we have the tendency, right, to think of this is the opinions of Matthew or the opinions of Paul or the opinions of Peter or the opinions of John, right? But we're reading the very words of the Holy Spirit. It's not the mere words of man, but the Holy Spirit says, Paul told Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration, means it is breathed by God. It is written by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit spoke. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So today... If you will hear his voice, the writer of Hebrews says, so he, he, he is referring to the disobedience of, of Israel in the wilderness after their exodus from Egypt. And it's a warning for believers under the New Testament, under the new covenant. Yes, there's warnings under the new covenant. The Hebrews knew only all too well the tragedy of the exodus generation. In Psalms 95, 7 through 11, The psalmist writes, for he is our God and we are the people of his pastor and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me and tried me, they saw my works. For 40 years, I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. And so I swore my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. The writer of Hebrews is telling a Jewish audience of believers. You know these words. I'm repeating them again to you. I'm telling you again, beware. And because of Israel's unbelief in the promises of God, because their constant disobedience, because of their failure to resist sin, because of the hardness of their heart, they were barred from entering the promised land. Likewise, the Spirit is saying today, It's a right now word. Most of the words in Greek, when you read the New Testament in Greek are present participles, means it's a right now word. It means, it means today and continuing today. It's a right now word. And so he says, today, while there's breath in you, right now, as we read this, that you must realize that you too may fail to enter God's rest because of unbelief. Because of disobedience. Because of allowing your heart to grow cold and hard. It's an active, present word. It's not a one-time confession from a past belief. And the Holy Spirit says, do not harden your hearts. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us concerning the rebellion and that disobedient generation. That as they harden their hearts and we ignore his voice, our hearts will grow increasingly hard and unyielding until we are no longer sensitive to the word of God or the desires of the Holy Spirit. And unlike that generation, a commitment to truth and righteous living like them will no longer be a priority. 
But we will more and more seek pleasure in the ways of the world rather than the ways of God. And the Holy Spirit warns us that God will not go on pleading with us indefinitely if we harden our hearts in rebellion. And Hebrews 10, 26 and 27 says, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and a fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. There is a point of no return. And take heed and depart in departing from the living God, the writer of Hebrews says. At regular intervals in the whole letter of Hebrews, the author warns the readers of the dangers of falling away from the faith. He says, exhort one another daily with this. An exhortation is an urgent appeal. That's what this word means. It's an urgent appeal. It's an earnest admonition or a solemn warning to follow God's prescribed course of redemption. And many of these Hebrews were failing to admonish each other to continue in the faith. He goes on to say they should not enter his rest The real possibility of the believer missing God's promised rest is illustrated by that Exodus generation of Israelites who failed to enter the promised land. Numbers 14, 29 says, The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness, all of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above. So we see that everybody 20 years and above that came out of Egypt went through the Red Sea and into the wilderness with God for 40 years. Everybody 20 and older died in the wilderness. And God kept his promise to the next generation. So there's there's two things that are pointed out to us here by the Spirit of God. Number one is that the Israelites experienced the redemptive power of God. They had seen God's mighty works, yet they were disobedient because they would not believe God's promises or heed his warnings. Therefore, they were destroyed in the wilderness and failed to enter the promised land. The second thing the Spirit is showing us is that the Israelites' glorious initial experience with God did not guarantee their safe arrival in Canaan. By failing to persevere in faith, they disobeyed God. They forfeited their destiny and inheritance as the children of promise and abandoned their only source of security, the living God. It's sad. But will we profit from their experience? And this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. Remember these things. These are warnings to you. Hebrews is a New Testament book written to new believers in a new covenant with real and present warnings from God. So what does this mean to you? The first thing it means is take control of your confession. These Hebrew believers, um, it, it, one of the things that, that, that I, I really enjoy doing is I, I enjoy reading about uh, church history. So I like to know not only what the word of God says, but why it says that and what was the, the circumstances under which it was written. 
So many of the, the Hebrews at this time, they were, they were persecuted. Uh, they were uh, believers in Christ. They were persecuted and they were discouraged. And so from the tone of this letter, some were on the verge of forsaking their faith in Christ because of persecution. I don't know if they were tired or they just wanted to quit. Maybe they wanted to go back to Judaism because um, serving Christ was just too hard. I don't know. But they were being persecuted. They were discouraged. And this is a right now word. We're in a time of persecution. <laughs> We're in a time of discouragement. Today, the Holy Spirit is speaking and warning against the great apostasy that's already began. The Bible talks about, if you know anything about end time prophecy, that before Christ returns, there's a great falling away from the faith. And, and a lot of people mistake that to believe it means personal faith in Christ. It doesn't mean that. It means a falling away from doctrinal faith. That's what it means. It means the doctrines and tenets of Christianity. It means the word of God. Okay? <clears throat> there has been and will continue to be a great falling away from the faith. We are seeing a mass falling away from the Bible and the truth of God's word. We are seeing it. There, There is literally a famine of God's word right now. We are seeing the Bible get thrown out. We've seen the truth of God's word being thrown out. Biblical tenets that have withstood thousands of centuries are being slaughtered. And we do not know the day or the hour, but we should recognize the season. Jesus said this, he said, now learn this parable from the fig tree when its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things, he was talking about the end of days, know that it is near at the door. He said, you, you do not know the day or hour, but you better know the season. You should know the season. You should be aware of your circumstances. You should be aware of what's going on around you. So take control of your confession because salvation is not a one-time confession. It's not, well, you know, I said a prayer 20 years ago and, and then I went and lived the way I wanted to live. That's not salvation. It's not a one-time confession, but it's a daily confession of our mouths and actions that acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Cause see, see, I believe in assurance of salvation, but not as some people teach. I believe in assurance of salvation. I absolutely do, but not based on a past loyalty. It's not, there's, there's nothing in scripture that says your past loyalty brings you into your further inheritance, but a daily loyalty to him, a daily seeking of his face, a daily crucifying of the flesh. Not a static belief in God, but to believe God and take him at his word. Every day walking towards him. Every day seeking his face. Doesn't mean that I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I don't fall. Doesn't mean that I I, I don't fail him sometimes. But I get back up and I keep walking towards the cross. In Psalm 106, verse 24 and 25, it says, Then they despised the pleasant land, talking about this generation, They did not believe his word. They did not believe his word. And I say this time and time again. 
They believed in God. They did not believe God. They did not believe God's word. Means they didn't take him seriously. They didn't take his word seriously. They didn't believe the word that he was going to bring them through. They didn't obey him. But they complained in their tents and did not heed the voice of the Lord because they rebelled against his spirit so that he spoke rashly with his lips. The spirit declares that belief and obedience are inseparable. You cannot say you believe in Jesus, but you disobey his word and his authority. These are inseparable. These are the, the, and, and I don't understand. I don't know where that teaching came from. I think it's an inherent teaching that says, I just believe in Christ, but then you go live your life. Then we do what you want to do. And you don't have to obey him because obey obedience is works. No obedience is a heart that has been turned towards Christ. Obedience is a obedience is love. I obey him because I love him. And, and folks, heaven is not this place, you know, where it, where, you know, we're on, on uh, clouds and, you know, playing harps and, you know, chubby angels. <laughs> heaven is Christ's kingdom. Yeah. The Bible talks a lot about kingdom, yeah. right? Heaven is his kingdom. And in Christ's kingdom, he rules and he reigns means you are going to be subject to him. Yeah. So if you're not subject to him now, why would you be subject to him in his kingdom? It's a false theology perpetuated in some Christian circles that you can say a prayer, live as you want and inherit eternal life. That's not scriptural. And you can have an assurance of salvation if, if your heart is daily seeking him, following him, to know him and to love him. And it doesn't matter, doesn't matter what happens to me, doesn't matter what I have to go through, doesn't matter if I fell, I get back up, you keep going on, you keep seeking him, you keep loving him, you keep reading his word, you keep praying. And you have an assurance of salvation he says, I will never leave you nor I will forsake you. He goes with me and the exodus, the the exodus generation, they believed in God, but they were, they did not take him at his word and they were disobedient. John three 36 says, whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Some translation has taken that obey out, but in the original, it says, who does not obey the son? So belief and obedience go hand in hand. You can't say you believe him and you trust him with your life and you rely on him, but you're not obeying him. Take your, take control of your confession. The next thing is take God at his word. Take control of your confession and take God at his word. This generation did not take God's word seriously. They didn't take God's word seriously. We need to take all of his promises and all of his warnings. When you read your Bible, whatever it says, just believe it. Just believe it. That's it. It's easy. Read your Bible. The Holy Spirit speaking. Believe God's word. And obey it. 
Repent of your self-reliance. Repent of self-preservation. Repent where you need to repent. And when you read something in scripture, whether or not you like it, believe it. You don't have to like, I don't like everything in scripture. (laughs) I don't like when it tells me to pray for my enemies, bless those that, you know, I I don't like those parts, but I don't get to mark them out because somebody wronged me. Stop trying to reason away why it doesn't apply to you. Don't twist and manipulate scripture to try to make it say what you want it to say. Allow others to correct you. This is exhorting one another. People get comfortable in their complacency. You know, I remember a time, this before I met Pastor Matt, and um, I, I was, I was, huh? Uh, okay, before Army Matt. <laughs> Is that better? Before I met Army Matt. <laughs> and, you know, somebody set me up with uh, one of my friends, you know, listen, this is a whole nother story. When your friends set you up with somebody. You know, don't, eh, be careful of your friends. So, so, <laughs> so a friend set me up with this person. Oh, you're going to love them and they love the Lord and blah, blah, blah. You know, all this sort of stuff. And as, as I began, as I, as I dated this person and I knew immediately, I was like, I just, there's something off with this person. I knew, I knew that I shouldn't be in a relationship with him. I shouldn't have been dating him, you know, and, um, Come to find out, you know, all of their talk for, for who they were in Christ and stuff really was just talk, you know, and me and a lot of y'all know I came out of a past of drugs and alcohol and stuff. And so, you know, it was one of the things I had committed to the Lord that I was never going to drink again. And so for four years, I didn't touch anything and I start dating somebody and I start drinking again. You know, and it was just these little things, you know, you saw these little steps and then, then I stopped, then I start missing church. Then I start doing this, you know, and I, and and I can look back and I can see that road I was going down. And because I was praying and because I spoke in tongues, I was like, oh, God's pleased with me. And and it's self-deception. You deceive yourself. You believe your own lies because I wasn't obeying God. I was doing what I wanted to do. And I was telling myself that it was okay. And praise God, one of the, uh, uh, at that point in my life, you know, I was working with, um, uh, the youth kids and one of the youth girls and God bless her, man, Keisha, I love that girl. She, she had the guts to call me up and say, where have you been? You've been missing a lot of church. Not to her. I didn't (laughs) probably someone else. I might've been defensive and said that, but not to her. I did not say that to you know, I did make up a lot of excuses and I'm like, oh no, I'm good. Yeah. And that's what you tell yourself. Me and Jesus. <laughs> but I knew she was right. Yeah. You know, and this, this young teenage girl calling me up saying, Crystal, what are you doing? You know, when your life goes from, I was in the house of God every chance I could get, and I'm in the prayer room, and I'm praying, and I'm singing in choir, you know, and I'm falling on my face at the altar, and then they don't see you for months. Something's wrong. Something's going on. 
You know, if I would have continued down that path, I don't even know where I would have ended up. But we, we tell ourselves we're okay and it's okay. And I, you know, I, I, I said the prayer, but it's a road of compromise that leads to a place sometimes that you may never get back from. Take God at his word. The next one is take heed. And spirit says today, if you'll hear his voice, he's he's telling us right now, when you read the word of God, it's today. It's a right now word. So you read it as the spirit is speaking to us today. If you will hear his voice, be aware of your constant surroundings. Take heed means to, uh, To to heed something is to listen to it, to pay careful attention to it, to observe or acknowledge it in some way, and then take action on it. First Corinthians 10, 12 says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. That's a real warning in scripture. Let him who thinks he stands, that was me. The story I just shared with you, take heed lest he falls. Take God at his warning to beware of those things that have an opportunity to trip you up. Because if there's anything I know is that my will and my stubborn determination have a have a very strong force in my life. Matthew 24, 4, Jesus answered, said, take heed that no one deceives you. There's another take heed. Don't be deceived. Don't listen to the lies of people. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Take heed. No one deceives you. Who are you spending time with? Who are your companions? Who are you letting speak into your ear? Mark 4, 24. Then he said to them, Jesus, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you and to you who hear, more will be given. What are you listening to? Who are you hearing? Who are you hearing? Take heed. These are real warnings. Mark 13, 33. Take heed. Watch and pray for you do not know when the time is. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. First Timothy 4, 16. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine now. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So he says, take heed to yourself and the doctrine. Colossians 4.17, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. He said, whatever God's given you to do, you better do it with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Do Do whatever God's given you to do. Take heed That you don't ignore that ministry God's given you. Don't ignore the gifts God's given you. These are real warnings. I'm not God. I can't tell you what will happen. But the word of God speaks. Mark 13, 23. But take heed and see, I have told you all these things beforehand. Now Jesus said, listen, I already told you these things. Take heed. The next thing, take care of your heart. 
Take care of your heart. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin hardens the heart. This is why the Bible talks so much about refrain from sin. Don't go that way. Walk in the spirit. Don't do what the flesh does. Why? Because sin hardens the heart. When you continue to sin, your heart becomes hardened. So it's not an initial sin that you just sin and fall away from the Lord. No, it's a continual sin. It's a continual rubbing, if you will, right? The eroding away at something. So it's a continual sin that you don't get rid of. It's that continual sin that leads to the hardening of the heart, right? It's just like you don't develop hardening of the arteries overnight. It's a lifetime of eating fat and cookies and sugar. And you're like, how did this happen? (laughs) You have a heart attack and you got to go in and put in a stint and you're like, how, how did this happen? Well, what's your diet, Mr. Jones? (laughs) I don't know. Stop. (laughs) Take care of your heart. Do you know your heart? Do you know your heart? Do you, do you know what causes you to stumble? Because for, and I'm going to, I'm just going to throw this out here. I'm going to, I'm going to make a, you know, big assumption here that what causes you to stumble is not the same thing that causes me to stumble. It's different. It's different for us. But you have to know what causes you to stumble. What is it? And the Holy Spirit's the great discerner and thoughts of the intents of the heart. We must yield to that Spirit's work in our heart and allow Him to reveal those things that have the capability of causing us to stumble. Luke sixteen fifteen. Jesus said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Psalm 4, 4, be angry or stand in awe and do not sin. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be silent. So commune with your heart. Find out what's really in your heart. Psalm 139, 23 through 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What, what's in my heart? You know, know what's in your heart. Here's some heart issues, okay? Pride. <clears throat> these are heart issues. People can't see these. Now, if you don't take care of it, it's going to come out and people will see it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but you know, it's not like adultery or, you know, drunkenness, something that people can see. These are these inward heart issues that you have to be aware of. Pride, right? Pride is exalting your thoughts and ways above what the Lord instructs us. It's a, I can do what I want mentality. The above scripture speaks of exhort one another daily. And it's not just an encouragement, but this is a warning and correction. And how we respond to correction reveals whether or not there's pride in us. If you defend, deflect, or deny, you probably have some heart 
pride issues going on? How do we respond when we're corrected? How do we respond to a word from God, right? How do we respond to those things? Do we get defensive about it? Or we just say, man, thank you for showing me that. I, that, that was in my heart. Thank you for helping me with that. Thank you. Thank you for revealing that in me. Right? Because if you don't deal, folks, if you don't deal with the, the heart issues, they're, they're just going to get worse. They're going to get worse. You got to deal with these things. Jealousy or envy. These are, like I said, these are things that you don't see. But if you don't deal with these things, they're going to come out. Jealousy or envy. Go read Galatians chapter 5. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. And Paul told the Galatians, he says, Have I have told you before and I tell you again that those who continue to operate in these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says it multiple times in scripture that you cannot continue to live a life of sin and, and proclaim Jesus Christ and inherit eternal life. So you got to deal with the things the Holy Spirit is asking us to deal with. Jealous and envy, resentful dislike of someone because they have something you do not. Must be nice. You know, and, and, um, the, the, these are those things, right? It's not, it's not necessarily that initial jealousy you get, right? Anybody ever like, you know, someone gets something, man, wish I had that. <laughs> that was, you know, that initial jealousy, right? But you can, you can recognize that initial jealousy or that initial envy and say, Oh yeah, that's not of God. I don't like that. Let me just get that out right now. Man, praise God, man. Bless you, man. I'm, I, I, I'm grateful for you, man. I'm going to praise God with you. That's awesome that he's doing that in your life. And not, not, not the fakeness of that's awesome. He's doing in your life, man. But what about me? You know, it's not that initial, um, the enemy is going to use these things against us initially. It's just, are we going to let them get down in our heart? Are you going to deal with it when it's revealed? Covetousness, wanting what does not belong to you. You can covet stuff. You can covet a person. Covet someone else's wife, wanting something that doesn't belong to you. Lust is a strong desire for something. It's not just sexual. It's a strong desire for something. Strife is seeking power or position. Folks, and these are those heart issues that you have to deal with. Because we, we, we don't know what's going on in your heart until it starts coming out of your heart. These things have to be dealt with. Some things can be eradicated immediately, but some take a lifetime of battling against. That's just the way it is. Sometimes there's, there's, there's a battle against something, you know, that, that you battle with years. And then all of a sudden one day you're like, man, I got the victory over that. Praise God. It was 10 years of battle, but I didn't give in. I battled it and I got the victory over it. And Satan can't use that against me anymore. Because we like the immediate results, but sometimes folks, not everything's immediate. And I just want to, you know, I just want to let you know that it's not, it's not always immediate. The battle sometimes is a long time, but we don't give into it. We just say, no, I'm going to continue to battle that because that means there's something in me that God is trying to get out of me. And if I don't deal with it, it's going to keep coming back. And if not dealt with, these things will turn into willful, sinful actions. Okay. It is the willful, sinful, continual, willful and continual sin that causes the hardening of the heart. 
Okay? Take care of your heart. And the last one is take your temperature. Is your love hot or cold? In Matthew 24, 11 through 13, it says, uh, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Now, Christ is talking about end times here. We are living in the end times. We're living in the latter days. I don't know how many, I don't know how many days are left, but we're in the latter period of history. We're in that season. Okay. And he says, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Because lawlessness will abound. So he says, in the end of days, lawlessness will abound. What does that mean? Lawlessness is everything that goes against God's law. God's word. So when you see things of uh, marriage, when we see things of abortion, when we see things divorce, when we see things, you know, um, sexual immorality, when you, when you see things going on in downtown Seattle, it's a time of lawlessness. We are in lawless times. So he says, lawlessness will abound during this time. So we know that right now we are in the time where lawlessness is abounding. And when lawlessness abounds, the love of many will grow cold. Now I want to, I want you to, I want you to know here, this love is agape love. Agape love is the love that is between us and God and us and each other. It's a, it's that covenant love that's found in the body of Christ. So he's saying where lawlessness abounds, the love of the church is going to grow cold. Not in the world. This love he's talking about specifically is in God's people. That God's people's love will grow cold. So you can know that where where lawlessness is, Christian love grows cold. So we have to take our temperature. Okay? There is a natural result of the condition of things implied in the time of lawlessness. The tendency of all such times as seen in the histories of famine, pestilence, revolution, war, uh, persecution is to intensify selfishness. Right? Both in the more excusable form of self-preservation and in the darker form of self-boasting. And this spirit of lawlessness and self-seeking produces a timid and lukewarm faith that not only loosens our dependence on God and trust in his providential care. Because when you, when you, when selfishness is intensifies, you Start to depend on yourself, not God. We are not to depend on ourselves. We are not supposed to be, um, to seek self-preservation. We're not supposed to do those things. We're supposed to rely fully on God at all times. Okay. <clears throat> so it loosens our dependence on God. Why? Because we're trusting in ourself. <clears throat> 
This lawlessness also encourages internal church dissensions and selfish ambitions, which destroy brotherly love. And that's why the love of many will grow cold. The tendency to forsake the assembling of ourselves together among these Hebrew Christians was perhaps an instance of love going cold. We're going to get into that verse later on. It's in chapter 10. But there was a warning in that. There was a warning to these Christians. Take your temperature. Is your love hot or is it cold? And we can look at the, the, the church in Revelation, the Laodicean church, right? He said, you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm. And, and the, the Laodicean church was the last church of the age. It's a lukewarm church. It's a complacent church. It's a comfortable church. It's not, it's not the love of many has waxed cold in the lukewarm church. Because it's self-centered and self-seeking. Take your temperature. I'm going to recant this. Will you profit from others' experience? Take control of your confession. Take God at his word. Take heed. Take care of your heart. And take your temperature. Amen. I'm going to, Angie, will you pray, play? Well, Angie, play. I, you know, I always, I always look around to see where Angie is and she's always in the same spot, but for some reason I just can't see her. Yeah. So I just want to give you an opportunity to respond um, to this message, whether you're here tonight, whether you're online watching with us. Respond to this message. This is a right now word, folks. The Spirit is saying, remember what happened with that Exodus generation. Don't let your life be a cautionary tale. If the Lord spoke something to you tonight, deal with it right now. Just deal with it. In Bible study, we've been in Psalm 136 and Everything that God does is because his mercy endures forever. God is merciful. He says, if you will just repent, turn from your ways and turn towards him, then he will, he comes running towards you with open arms. He's a merciful God. We can rely on his mercy that we've never gone too far. If we just turn back. Whatever he spoke to you tonight, deal with it right now. Deal with the issues of your heart. If your love has grown cold, if there's selfishness, whatever God has spoke to you tonight, just deal with it. And if you don't know the Lord, I just want to give you an opportunity to come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior tonight. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and he said, what must we do to be saved? And Jesus said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus was was astounded. He said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? And Jesus says, you, you're not understanding me, Nicodemus. You're not hearing me. A man must be born again of the spirit of God or he cannot enter into the kingdom. The spirit blows where it wants to blow and you hear it sound. 
but you can't see it. So is everyone born of the Spirit. You can't see them born of the Spirit, but you see the wind in their life. You see the Spirit working in their life. And if you have no evidence of the Spirit working in your life, you may not be born again. Just cry out to Him right now. He's here. If you would just confess that you're a sinner and you need a Savior, say, Lord, save me from my sins. Turn away from those things. Turn towards Him. He will redeem you. He will deliver you. He will clean you up and set your feet upon a rock. And He gives you new life. If you've been far from him, just come to your senses. Come to yourself and say, no more. I'm not running anymore. And turn back, turn towards him. And he's ready to receive you. God is merciful. He is merciful. Father God, we just thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, thank you for the blood of Christ washes away all our sins. God, let us take these words, let us take heed and the real warnings in scripture, Father God. Let us endure to the end, Father God. Let us continually look unto you, Lord Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That if we fall, we get back up. That you go with us, you lead us and you guide us and you direct us, Father. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us tonight, Sunday, service 9 and 11. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for watching. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.